Hey, everybody, before we get rolling with today's podcast with Mark Welch from Texas A&M, excellent conversation, so stay tuned here, but just want to remind everybody about our subscriber-only podcast called 19 Minutes. We've got a lot of people listening to that now, some really great content on there. The one we put out last week on the 9th of May was called Family Business Communication Dysfunction. We've got lots of other really good ones on there that if you haven't listened or haven't subscribed, I recommend you do that. We'll have a link to that uh, to subscribe. Super easy. Just click on that and you can sign up 30 bucks a month and it gives you a lot of really good data. Some of the other ones out right now, the art of giving, um, building business culture, desire, discipline, and growth, top 10 bank loan essentials. You are not unique. Strip Till Economics Part 1 and Part 2, Transition Topics, Turmoil, Timelines, and Taxes, just to mention a few. So there's a lot of really good content on there that Shay and I have put together for you. So um, again, go in there, click onto that, get subscribed, check it out. And uh, with that said, hope you enjoy today's podcast with Mark Welch from Texas A&M. Thanks. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, um, you know, the uh, we don't normally talk about the, the wheat market driving the corn market higher, but certainly with the, the strength we're seeing, you know, back there and concerns of, of wheat supplies, whether it's production in the U.S. or availability coming out of the Black Sea, you know, that's another undertone of, of just a concern of. Uh, of supply of the supply situation that could you know spill over and provide some strength uh, you know to other markets and so certainly I think that's one to uh, you know not not to ignore even if, if we're not a wheat producer there's still a lot going on in a major market that yet might be a source of some support for us uh, as it uh, you know does you know spill out over spread out over other commodities and and a, a general influence in terms of what happens in the grain complex. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Ag View Pitch. We're heading into a new marketing week, the 15th through the 19th, kind of in the middle of the month of May. And we are lucky enough to have with us Mark Welch uh, with Texas A&M. Mark, how's it going? Uh, going good, Chris. Uh, well, I'm on the right side of the state down here in Texas where we're getting a little rain. And it's been relatively cool even here for late spring for us. So the, the crops on uh, our side of Interstate 35 look pretty good. It's uh, a little dry out west, but uh, just kind of depends on which way side of the highway you're on. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's kind of been the story of the have and the have-nots as far as water goes and, you know, cold in the upper Midwest and and, and wet again and, and wet in the east in, in places and then super dry in the west. So <laughs> Everybody gets a little bit of some some kind of a weather challenge, it seems like, at some point during the growing season. Um, we're seeing um, a lot of guys making some pretty good progress on planting. You know, we'll get another report here this week um, on kind of how things are going. Um, it looks to me like the market doesn't really see any threat with planting um, as as a quote-unquote bullish or bearish either way. It's kind of just a neutral thing. Um, is there anything else that you think that the market is is has baked into the into the cake, so to speak, or or not really at this point? Yeah, it is interesting because all the you know attention that's given to the planting progress report that uh, you know comes out every uh, Monday afternoon about three o'clock, and whether you know how close we are on track to national averages, it, it's interesting. Uh, in the report that came out last Monday, uh, you know we're right about where we ought to be. It's about mm -hmm. half the crop. 
is in the ground. And on average, that's where we'd be around, uh, around Mother's Day. Uh, the record high for last week of the uh, growing season was 80% planted. And the record low was back in 1984, and that was 10% planted. Oh, wow. And if you look at the yields those years, the yield in at 10% planting was a little above trend. And the yield when we had 80% of the ground was a little bit below trend. So, you know, it's it, it's interesting. It's track and it can create some concern, but it's kind of where you are and who got the crop in. Uh, I think that'll really guide us, especially when we get to what USDA reported in that May was the plugging in that yield of a record high, 181 and a half bushels per acre. Uh, boy, everything's got to hit just right, uh, you know, to see that kind of number. And, and obviously planning progress and who gets the crop in when. Uh, you know, we'll play into that. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, so I think those are kind of the undertones of how we interpret the numbers that came out, particularly in that May WASD. Yeah. Anything else that, that you, you're you taking away from last Friday's USDA report that you're kind of watching that, you know, people need to pay attention to in the next few weeks ahead? Or is there anything out there that kind of stood out to you? Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, that, uh, again, that it's the yield number. Acres, you know, USDA, they just take whatever the prospective planting survey said, and they're going to plug that one in. Mm -hmm. So it would take a, a huge issue between, you know, now and, and the first part of uh, uh, you know, July, even, before they'll change that number from what will come in the acreage report at the end of June. Yeah. So again, June WASDE, they'll probably just carry that number right over. It would take a disastrous spring like 2019, where we were just, you know, flooding out across the Corn Belt. Mm -hmm. you know, something like that to change that planted number. So again, I think it's back to that yield is, is the first one. Are are the conditions going to be such that it, uh, you know, setting, setting the stage for, uh, a, that's a trend line yield. You know, I, I can't argue with where they got their number, but it's a, it's a pretty aggressive number considering, especially, I know that again, we talked about kind of which side of the highway you're on or which side of the corn belt you're on. If you look at the drought map, uh, there's a big chunk of Nebraska and Kansas, and they're major corn-producing states. Uh, they, they don't look good, and, and they've been in drought for such a prolonged period. And, and so even if we do get some recovery and some uh, uh, you know better weather patterns even through the spring, well, when you're coming from a deficit like that, even on irrigated ground, it it it's our yield drag. And, mm. and so uh, that, that's a big chunk of, of major corn production that I think could weigh into that number. So when I look week to week, um, you know, I, I, I've still got to keep that one kind of on the back of my mind of just what might happen there. On the use side, uh, the numbers were pretty strong. Uh, increasing feed use, increasing fuel use, increasing uh, food use uh, for corn, uh, all those categories higher. Uh, and, you know, especially on the feed category, when we're looking at, you know, cattle on feed numbers, uh, certainly aren't higher year over year. Uh, perhaps seeing some rebound in the poultry industry. We'll see what the uh, the uh, pork industry does. But there again, there are some factors there that I think could uh, uh, you know, diminish the, the rebound even in that feed use category that we saw on, on the WASDE. Uh, exports, again, a, a pretty strong rebound uh, from what uh, we did in the old crop year with all the competition out of Brazil. So uh, again, those are good numbers. Uh, but but I just question in the current you know economic environment, um, you know can, can we hold on to those as the year unfolds? And and that's what we'll have to see what see how it goes. But that's my concern: the yield, and then can we keep those use numbers? Again, I thought those were pretty pretty high. 
that they plugged into the uh, into the WASDE. <clears throat> so let's stay on the on the demand side of things. Then it, you, you know you talk about usage and and what we go through. You know we've had some pretty major price pressure in the whole oh, the whole commodity index. You know when you look at um, just kind of where things have drifted to, and and it always seems like we get down to the cost of production. And we've pretty much gotten there um, for a lot of producers on on both corn and soybeans anyway, and 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 wheat in some cases. Talk a little bit about um, just about you know where is this demand potentially going to come from? Because China seems to be canceling stuff, and they prefer to buy from South America than us anyway. Um, is there any hope, or you know, where does the demand come from? Yeah. And is my concern in for this next corn marketing year. And so we're talking about, you know, the rest of 2023 and into early 2024. Um, I think that the general global and, and particularly, you know, U.S. economic conditions as central banks uh, try to get inflation under control uh, around the world, that uh, the pressures are going to be there to slow down economic activity. I mean, that's that's the, the, the policy is designed to do that. Right. Uh, and so. To me, that is that is going to be less conducive uh, to a rebound in our commodity prices, whether we're talking about corn or copper or crude oil or cotton, you know, whatever it is, that uh, those 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 economic pressures uh, can can limit that rebound on the use or the demand side of the balance sheet. Whereas these high prices that we've had the last few years, uh, they're certainly there to stimulate production, bring more acres in, bring in more production. And, and so I think that's what's reflected in the uh, in the May WASDE is that uh, we're we're seeing that that increase on the supply side, which all the economic forces are there to do that. But I think we still have some challenges near and longer term, uh, still with the broader economy. The inflation numbers we're getting from out of the U.S. Yeah, they're, they're much much better from seven to nine percent inflation down to five. That's really good. We got to get to two, and mm -hmm. and, and it's kind of flattening out at five. Uh, and so I think the doesn't mean the Federal Reserve is going to keep hiking rates like they have been at the same pace they have been. But I think it does mean that these higher rates are going to be with us for a sustained period of time. And so before we get some relief from that category and try to, to stimulate economic growth and activity, uh, that could be a pretty good ways down the road. And so that impacts the consumption of things like feed and food and fuel mm -hmm. and fiber. And, and again, you get on the margins, but but it does contribute to that overall demand outlook, particularly if the weather hits and and we we make that record high yield, and and we see that rebound in production in Europe, in Argentina, and and other places identified in that May WASDE, that uh, yeah, to see the supply come back in proportion to use, those are kind of the numbers that we're looking at, a 480 season average farm price, which was in that May WASDE, yeah, that's kind of a jolt. But uh, yeah, the, I, again, you can kind of run the numbers, and when we've seen these kind of uh, supply and use ratios before, that it kind of makes sense that we could get down below that five dollar level again, right here in uh, for this twenty three crop. Well, we're getting close now, uh, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. and and I guess you know what you're saying here. Then you know, as we got to get to two on inflation, well the lower the inflation, the more pressure that puts on commodities, you know, a high inflation rate 
bodes well for commodities and conversely the other way. So if that happens, what's, you know, where, do, where does the price strength come from if inflation isn't helping it? Is it do, do we have to have a weather concern? Do we have to have, you know, what are some things that could give us, you know, some sort of a rebound? I think what a lot of people are waiting for or looking for, or, or maybe a better way to put it, hoping for, is some sort of a price rebound where people can put some some offers out there and maybe sell where they wish they would have made mm-hmm. some sales and didn't um that maybe would catch you know what yeah. what are you looking at without be it being a prediction but you know f- for some realistic you know uh levels that you know from a technical standpoint even are are there areas that we can get back to do you think or is it just going to take a major weather issue or something yeah again you, you've touched with a couple of very i think key points and as a kind of a marketing philosophy or a marketing plan you know typically as we move into march april may we would see a somewhat of an upward price trend specifically if you look at that december corn contract and uh gosh wouldn't it be nice to see 550 on the board again and uh i'm, I'm guessing we'd get a lot of things done if we were to see, you know, a price bounce back up towards that, um, but even we were the here, same people that wanted a wanted a five ninety or a, or a six twelve uh, or whatever, you know, from exactly the, right. the technical standpoints, and and then we didn't get back to those. Yep, offers were put in in the in the five seventy something range. We didn't get back to that. Now we're talking the five fifty range. We got to recalibrate our thought process maybe a little bit here too, right? What we really do, and and again. Whether it's that uh, uh, you know uh, a weather issue, um, another even geopolitical issue, uh, you know that could uh, you know impact our market, something uh, you know from the from the broader economy that could again maybe you know either limit supplies or or, or boost our, uh, our our demand prospects in, in some way or another, uh, to, you know to kind of change that picture. Um, but if you look at kind of where we've been in other years and, and the, the chart I keep going back to, and, and I wish I could get away from it, it's 2013. Mm-hmm. Coming out record high prices in 2012, and we just traded lower the whole year. And we had a little bit of a, of a price increase right before in there in May and June, a little bit of strength. But it's interesting, even in that year of, of gradually declining prices all year long, it was still better to get something done before the 4th of July. Uh, and, and so even, yeah, Looking at 510, 520 on the, on the board, yeah, that's kind of hard to take. But uh, that doesn't mean we're going to hold here. Uh, that, again, if everything, if we if we do make a crop and get the crop planted, uh, that's projected in the U.S. and, and around the world. Uh, again, particularly looking, say, at Argentina. Uh, if they're getting out of that La Nina weather pattern, they're much like us here in the Southern Plains. Uh, La Nina's get away from that and back to an El Nino pattern this fall, and that's just what they need. Uh, so, you know, again, those are very positive for production prospects with still those limitations on the demand side. Uh, and, and so I think that's that's just the real concern. And so, yeah, is there going to be a weather scare or something more than likely that may create some opportunities? Obviously, no guarantees. Nobody knows. Uh, but yet, even just getting something done in this first half of the year, even if it's one of those years, it's just slugs lower all the way through perhaps doing something and, and give us some, uh, you know, flexibility. If we do get a rebound, there are all kinds of tools to, you know, recapture some of those gains back in the market. But uh, it doesn't mean we walk away from a plan just because we, we missed the 570. I missed the 550. It doesn't mean I quit trying. 
because mm-hmm. it doesn't mean we're not going over. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just it. <clears throat> you know, everybody's different. Everybody's got a different level of sales. There's some people listening probably have zero sold. There's people listening. I know of some guys that were 90, 90% covered. <laughs> they look pretty smart now, but you know, I, I think, you know, a lot of those that did that had a, a lot of risk too, and couldn't afford the risk. And I think a lot of people, a lot of us got lulled to sleep. You know, we just kind of hung around that $6 level for a long, long time. And, you know, and you, you just get kind of lulled to sleep. And I think, you know, one of the things that you brought up that I, I kind of want to have you touch on is, is 2013, you know, that's 10 years ago, we came off of 2011, 2012 was super high prices. And then 13, we just kind of slid sideways. This looks and smells a lot like 13. It does, now, doesn't it? That doesn't mean that it is, you know, I mean, we could have a drought this year, even though, you know, it doesn't quote unquote look like we might, you know, we could, you know, you just don't know. I mean, we're a long ways away from putting the 23 crop in the bin. But on the same token, talk a little bit, you know, you said, you know, I, I think something really smart there about just putting some tools in place. In other words, if we would get back to those target levels, wherever, you know, where do you wish you would have sold, have some some targets in place, some offers in play, but also maybe look at, okay, how do we minimum price that or how do we put a floor on that so that at least if it does go down to that 480 or below, we're not in the tank, you know, we're at least protecting ourselves and you can always leave that upside open. Any, any comments on that? You bet. And uh, again, there are, you know, with tools with, you know, futures and, and options that let us create some of those kind of profiles. Uh, but also having just discussions, uh, I think uh, with, with where you're going to merchandise your grain uh, in, in Texas at this point, we still have a, our basis is still relatively strong. Uh, and, and so, no, it's not as good as we've had in this for the 22 crop, but having those conversations, are there ways that we can uh, perhaps where with who we're going to sell our grain to, had, how can we add value to what they're doing? And having those conversations of, of trying to either, uh, you know, yeah, no, the board looks, looks pretty soft, but if I can still capture some strength in the basis, you know, it still might put me in a pretty good position. Uh, here for this 23 crop, even though we've seen prices, you know, slip lower over the last uh, several weeks, uh, you know, not ignore that side of, of of how we add value on the cash side to uh, to really enhance that uh, that that price position. Uh, and, and so, however that however that's done, whether it's uh, they're glad to see those early commitments come in, whether you could you know, how you spread those out, whatever those conversations might mean, mm-hmm. but uh, certainly again, just adding value to who our customers are. Uh, maybe create some some opportunities here to to capture just that cushion or margin we need, uh, particularly in this uh, as we're seeing these prices slip lower. Yeah, I think another comment you made there just on basis. I think basis management currently on old crop there's still really strong basis levels in a lot of areas. So cleaning house up, you know, you look at your average selling price. You shouldn't look at like individual sales. You need to look at your average, and for most people cleaning house on the 23 crop, you're still going to have a pretty darn, or 22 crop, excuse me, you're still going to have a pretty darn good average. And then for those that have some sales on 23, if you're selling some 550 or some $13 beans or whatever, and averaging those, you know, and and same with weed, I mean, you're averaging, you got to look at the average price 
and, and make sure that that's achieving your goals, I think is important, but your basis comment was a good one too. I think, you know, early harvested corn and soybeans in, in some areas I think are going to, um, reward some people, don't you, you know, that, that, you know, the areas in the South that can be harvested in, you know, maybe even in August or whatever, but, you know, you get up in the, you know, Iowa, Southern Iowa or central Iowa and Southern Illinois and those places, those guys can get rolling early. There could be some huge basis opportunities. I think, you know, maybe, a, maybe 50 cents to a buck over on corn, for example, you know, possibly. Big times we have seen that after coming off of a short crop year, right. Uh, those basis possibilities, particularly, yeah, as you just mentioned, July and that first part of August, you know, there there can really be some some windows of opportunity to to, to monitor that. Yeah. And, and again, if you're having our conversations, uh, you know, throughout this growing season, if we're going to have these these acres or these bushels look like they're going to be ready at this period of time, you know, what can we do? Because that again, that that gives whoever's handling that grain for us, whoever we're selling that to give them some information and some abilities they have then to capture marketing opportunities as well. Right. Uh, and that's, that's worth a lot for the value proposition for where this grain is headed. Right. Uh, and so I think those conversations are absolutely critical. Yeah. Um, last thing I want to wrap up with is the general economy and how that relates to the funds. They um, are an important piece of our, um, volatility, you know, volatility creates opportunities and it seems like, you know, they jump in if there's some hot news or anything. Um, any comments or any thoughts on the funds or what it's going to take or, you know, or is the, just the threat of a of a recession, just keeping everybody freaking out and staying out, you know, risk off. What's your yeah. thoughts? I think that, that risk off comment for our, our grains, uh, particularly, uh, that's playing out. If you look at the uh, reports from the uh, Commodity Futures Trading Commission, those commitment of traders comes out every Friday afternoon. One trend that we've seen over the last several weeks and even months in some of the markets, if you look at the index fund investments, you know, those are those long only, they're, they're buying contracts and roll them over to stay long. They've been exiting the grains to a large degree. Yeah. And so that, as a hedge against inflation, well, if they're seeing less threat there and maybe a rebound in some other markets, or other opportunities, uh, we're seeing a, a drawdown in the, that investment. And then even on the, the more speculative investors, you know, they're both sides buying and selling all the time. Uh, was it last, uh, the report that came out a week or so ago, they had actually gone net short in corn. And if I remember right, that's the, the last time we had done that was maybe 2020, 2019. I have to go back and look and see. But to see a, a broad sell-off in, in terms of their bullish outlook in the corn market had changed considerably mm -hmm. and in fact they were they were net short the corn market not net long which doesn't happen very often in corn we see it in some other places but not typically in the corn market so yeah you talk about the kind of those, those broader pressures where we sort of have that buying interest and so it makes it hard to find that where you're going to hit that 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 support level when you're going to catch that when you have so much of that momentum is working against us Mm -hmm. uh, in grain markets, and and that's a whole world with their technical tools and algorithms, and when when it's going to be cheap enough, and and they'll step in and reverse those that that they will come. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not the person to to predict when that's going to be, but uh, that's certainly been uh, an underlying, I think, force of downward pressure uh, in our markets that uh, has that we've got to contend with. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And, and I think as these, you see commodity price pressure, it does kind of help us though, to recalibrate. I mean, with every <clears throat> bad thing, there's always some good in everything. And I think I, I look at it as, you know, at a certain point we had to come back to reality um, with respect to land rents, um, you know, machinery and equipment costs have gone up about 31% in the last, um, you know, uh, 24 months, according to our data, you know, I mean, it's just in, inflation was, was getting rampant and, you know, and, and we were seeing it, like I said, land rents, machinery, fertilizer, all these things. And so I think if, you know, if we can, you know, kind of get back to reality a little bit, um, this isn't probably a bad thing, I guess, with that said, you know, any final comments or thoughts for, for producers over the next few weeks, as they look ahead, um, any, any final comments from, from you, Mark? Sure. And, and, and I think a key point in, in any marketing plan or marketing strategy is, and yes, it, it's way early, but, but to try to keep the best handle on what your actual cost of production is going to be uh, in this crop. And are there still opportunities to capture some, some profitable margins? Um, yeah. If it looks like we're going to get this crop in on time and the weather, weather patterns look favorable, uh, and, and you are fortunate enough to have that above average yield this year, well, what does that do for your break-even? Uh, and and th it may be that uh, these marketing opportunities, as, as, as much as we've seen some good ones get away, it doesn't mean there's still not going to be some out there that we can still capture and protect that margin. Uh, and, and so I think uh, that that changes as, as, the, as the year is going to go along, but try to keep a, someone really monitoring what that number is. Uh, because I think we're looking particularly down the road, if these are looking at downward price pressures, you know, perhaps capturing and ensuring that margin with the tools that are available is, is absolutely key. But you got to know your number. And, and yeah. without knowing that, uh, we're just kind of shooting in the dark. Yeah. Uh, at least this gives us a firm basis uh, for uh, a foundation then for, for making some marketing decisions. But to me, it all starts there. That's awesome. I think that's a great way to wrap it up. You're preaching to the choir here uh, when you talk about let's let's get that cost production dialed in, keep it dialed in. Um, the the thing I'd wrap it up with is, you know, fertilizer costs are less. You know, I mean, I was just figuring what we paid last year for anhydrous, we side dress. We're going to be paying fifty dollars an acre less for anhydrous now than we did last year, and less than what I had in our cost production, and so you know, everybody's going to have a different scenario, but you need to recalibrate those numbers because it, it changes things and, and yield is the, is the quickest way to lower your cost of production too. And so anything you can do to enhance or protect yield, I think is a key thing too. But um, hey, as as usual, Mark, you had a lot of really good um, stuff to to bring to the table here and, and been a while since we had you on, want to get you back a little more often. So really appreciate your your expertise and you can get back to watching all the graduates in the window there behind you. We've got uh, a lot going on here with uh, the graduation in full swing here at Texas A&M. So you, you kind of got to time your comings and your goings uh, pretty <laughs> carefully. You're going to make any time, but always good to be with you, Chris. Appreciate the opportunity, the conversation and all the work that you do uh, getting this, uh, this information out. And yeah. Anything we can contribute to that, well, we're more than happy to, to jump in. Well, I really appreciate that as usual, Mark. Thanks a lot. And, uh, also like to thank everybody. And if you are still planting and, and got things going on out in the field, obviously it's going to be a time to get herbicides on and get a lot of things uh, going. And it seems like the, a lot of the work takes off uh, as soon as you're done planting, then the real work starts. Cause you got to 
got to get the crop rolling. So uh, just want to wish everybody um, a safe, continued spring. And with that said, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you again next time on the Ag View Pitch. <laughs>